So our journey today begins on January 12th, 1992. And um, that is the day when the HAL 9000 artificially intelligent computer uh, began operation in the HAL plant in Urbana, Illinois. Um, so HAL stands for Heuristically Programmed Algorithmic Computer. And um, HAL is more sophisticated than things like ChatGPT. Uh, it's capable of reasoning, cap of capable of coming up with its own goals and so forth. And uh, so HAL was sort of the star of this movie, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And we're always talking about, or we've talked before about how People anticipated a lot of the problems that we're having nowadays with artificial intelligence. And in this case, uh, the original story on which this movie was based, written by Arthur C. Clarke, uh, was called The Sentinel. And that was published in 1951. He actually wrote it in 1948. So he was anticipating these problems that we're having with artificial intelligence in 1948. So anyways... This is a little clip from the movie. This is my favorite movie, by the way. It inspired me to get interested in artificial intelligence. And uh, this is two astronauts in a spaceship, and they're finding out that there may be something wrong with HAL. And maybe they need to disconnect HAL. Maybe they need to turn HAL off. And as, as we've seen from news reports, these artificial intelligence systems don't really like it when you want to turn them off. So... I'll play a little bit of this clip. They're switching off all the microphones. Rotate the pod, please, Hal. Hal is that little red Rotate the pod, eye. please, Hal. I don't think he can hear us. Rotate the pod, please, Hal. Yeah, I'm sure we're okay. Well, what do you think? I'm not sure. What do you think? I've got a bad feeling about him. You do? Yeah, definitely. Don't you? So anyways, there's Hal. That little red dot there. That's his eye. And um, they're talking, they think, in private about disconnecting Hal. And this is the result of that. One of the astronauts is right here in the sort of claws of this little spaceship um, that's that's part of the larger spaceship. And um, one of the astronauts wants to get back in. This is his conversation with Hal. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. 
Where the hell did you get that idea, Hal? Dave, although you took very thorough precautions in the park against my hearing you, I could see your lips move. So Hal was reading lips. So now Apple is teaching Siri how to read lips. Is so, that a sign? <laughs> and it looks just like a hell, right? Well, they this oh my you know, God. this is appleinsider.com. They chose this um illustration on purpose uh because of that movie. So, anyways, um you know, maybe that this will uh people will, will be able to speak to Siri without making noises. <laughs> and um uh, you'll be able to sort of whisper just mouth words to Siri. And maybe this will improve the speech recognition. I don't know. So uh, anyways, I thought that was an interesting development. And um, another interesting development, uh, Zoom is entangled in an AI privacy mess. They just changed their terms and conditions recently. And now they are going to take your video and your speech and text and everything that you transmit through Zoom and data mine it with their AI system. Now, there is a setting within Zoom now that you can access to turn that off. But you have to go find that setting. And uh, one of the issues that you can run into with something like this is if you're in a, uh, a Zoom meeting with your doctor doing telemedicine, uh, that information is protected by law and people aren't allowed to disclose that information without your consent. Those are what are called HIPAA laws and the, um, the penalties for violating those HIPAA laws are very severe. I don't remember exactly what it was. I, had to, I worked on a clinical trial at one point uh, and I had to go through HIPAA training. It may have been $100,000 or something if you violate the HIPAA laws. So um, Zoom has been fined before. They were fined uh, like $85 million uh, in 2021, I believe, for viol violating various privacy constraints. And so so anyways, this is a pretty good article. They, they talk about the... Um, the changes in detail and the penalties that Zoom has uh, been subject to in the past for violating privacy. So, um, Dominique, you may want to look at this article from ZDNet.com and see if you can figure out where those settings are in Zoom. I know Zoom has 10 million settings. and uh, Yeah, I couldn't even figure out how to share the full entire screen until a few weeks ago so uh -huh. <laughs> yeah it, it yeah it, it it has a lot of very confusing wording and uh things and yeah it's a there are a million things so um next this is very interesting i i once had an office mate who had worked on a project where they would use microphones to listen to a typewriter as someone was typing. Oh, yeah. And using that audio that came in through the microphone, 
they were able to determine what keys the people were pressing on the typewriter. So just by listening to someone type, they could figure out what that person was typing. And uh, I thought, well, nobody will ever be able to do that with computers. But sure enough, somebody has come up with a way through deep learning to figure out just by listening to your keystrokes when you're typing on your computer, what you're typing. And um, so I thought that was interesting, another application of artificial intelligence. Now, I know we have people who are interested in uh, stereoscopic 3D. Uh, this is a deal. This is interesting. This tablet was introduced not too long ago uh, for about $1,100. And it has a 3D, a 3D display on it. It's glassesless, a glassesless display. And so you can look at it and it does eye tracking. It figures out where you are and, and where your eyes are. And it automatically adjusts the display to feed a separate image to your left eye and to your right eye so that you can perceive 3D in the tablet surface. And so um, you can display 3D images on it. It will also take 2D images and convert them to 3D for you. Uh, you know, nothing's perfect, but they give it a shot. And um, so it's an interesting product. And so they're selling it at B&H for $650 versus $1,100. That's, I have never seen this deep of a discount on it before, and it hasn't been available for that long. So maybe that's not a good sign. Um, maybe it's not selling very well. I, I know I've been to meetings within the 3D community um, where people have been very interested in it. Um, the thing about it, as far as I'm concerned, I'm very much into the specs of display devices. And, um, you know, this is this is decent. Um, it's an IPS type of display. It has a special backlight, and that's the way that they're able to um, channel the separate view to the left and right eye, which is, you know, sort of interesting technology. 12.4 inches, so that's sort of cool. Uh, 2560 by 1600 resolution, that's pretty cool. 16 to 10 aspect ratio. So it's a little bit taller than the regular 16 to nine aspect ratio. So you get a little bit of extra real estate on there. Uh, it has decent brightness, um, uh, 120 Hertz refresh rate, which is pretty good. Uh, but here's the thing that sort of bothers me. You know, I'm sort of a connoisseur of displays, 1200 to one, uh, contrast ratio. That's not so good. Um, and um, for example, if you have an OLED display, you have basically an infinite contra contrast ratio. Uh, and so that just an OLED display really is jaw dropping. This is not going to be so jaw dropping. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, and for $650, that's quite a price break. Um, I'm a 3D addict, but I probably would not buy it myself. But um, I mean, for a lot of people, I know uh, certainly a lot of people in the 3D community, they would snap them up at 649. But if you want to compare this with something like the Apple Vision Pro headset, this is nothing. Uh, the uh, just just as comparison, 
And one of the reasons I'm so excited about the Apple uh, Vision Pro headset is um, it has um, 4,000, a 4K instead of a 2.5K um, pixel display, it has two 4K displays uh, that um, for one for each eye. And so actually this 250 or 2560 uh horizontal display I, I i think that this resolution actually gets split in half so i think this probably ends up being something closer to 1300 pixels per eye versus the 4000 pixels per eye that the apple headset gives you plus the apple headset is uh uses oled displays so they have that infinite aspect ratio they also have um very, very vibrant colors because each pixel has its own red, green, and blue LED, organic light emitting diode inside of it. So, uh, and and because your eyeball is so close to the display, it's very bright as well. So, for example, the Vision Pro just beats all heck out of this. But um, anyways, you know, that's 3,500 bucks. This is 649. Uh, there's also that Asus laptop that I've mentioned before, the 3D laptop. Um, it's very interesting, but it hasn't come out yet. It was supposed to be out, I believe, in June. And here we are in August, and that laptop still hasn't come out yet. They've come out with the 3D version. And uh, this store, B&H, they have a demo model of that Asus 3D laptop in their store. But uh, the 3D version of that laptop is not yet for sale. So, by the way, these guys, Leia, they're the same ones who came up with the 3D display and camera on the Hydrogen, um, the Hydrogen One Red phone, which came out a few years ago. And I had one of those. It was okay, um, but it had an LCD display. LCD display instead of an OLED display. And uh, so it just didn't have that that spark, that dazzling aspect of the OLED displays, what they have. So anyways, that's everything that I have this week. So I'll stop sharing. Oh, yeah, I do think that this is a very uh, cool, I mean, the, the Siri things and uh, yeah. Now with AI, everything seems very convenient, but uh, uh, in an, another way that we will lose a lot of things, privacy. Well, I think, I think we've got a ways to go before we get hell 9,000 like uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, it's funny, that movie came out in 1968. So that, that movie mm -hmm. is 55 years old. It looks like it was shot yesterday, mm -hmm. but um, that's 55 years old. The Matrix movie is 24 years old. Mm. Uh, so people have been thinking about these things for a long time. And these things that we think as sort of, you know, leading edge types of thoughts of movies and so forth. Mm. Actually, people have been thinking about this stuff for a long time. And we're just getting sort of the hardware, hardware yeah. available nowadays to implement these kinds of things. But still, we don't have 
the level of artificial intelligence of that 1968 movie or the Matrix, that, uh, that 1999 movie either. So we're still, I, th I think the thing that's true when you're trying to develop bleeding edge technology is that um, you don't know what you don't know. So everything yeah. always ends up taking longer than you expect mm -hmm. because you run into all these problems that you didn't anticipate. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I, I do agree. And uh, today I want to share the news that is very interesting. Um, okay. So the first one is um, this woman, woman uh, tried to warn us about AI. So, um, about AI, I think the inclusion is very important. Diversity is important because if you see this news, it talks about someone graduate from um, uh, Stanford. Uh, she studied uh, electronical engineering and also have both bachelor and master degrees in this field. Later on, she start diving and she feels like uh, there's some there won't be some issues here her For background example, her background by the way is very similar to mine but go ahead yeah okay so uh the difference is that she's a woman and she was born and raised in Ethiopia. so mm -hmm. she's a black uh woman and then she find out that for example if she went to the uh, ai conference there's only five to six black people out of a thousands thousands of attendees in that conference so which means that uh black people sports if in the you know mainstream types of ai design development black people's voice will be very small uh compared with the mainstream so he find out that oh how about lgbt this types of uh, you know, more like a small group of people, their voice might not be heard due to this types of large language model. Um, yeah, so uh, those will be generated uh, and designed by more like a, a mainstream such as white people and more male dominant. So he said that um, he, they look, uh, she, uh, the person, the woman and six other colleagues Look at the news, uh, uh, at the way this LLMS, how they train the materials, uh, including Wikipedia, Twitter, and Reddit, which reflect ba uh, back bias, reinforce uh, kind of a lot of prejudice. Less than 50%, 15% of Wikipedia contributors were women or girls, so only 15%. 15%. Uh, and uh, also, 34% um, of Twitter users were women. So only 30, so uh, one third. And 67% of Redditors were men. So more men dominant uh, in this types of uh, um, social data that train uh, for the LLMS. So you see all those. Um, places wikipedia twitter reddit uh those information will be the resource to train llms so uh and those kind of uh, the information were provided by the majority of them are main so 
uh, if you see this, um, um, when a group of California scientists and limited to California scientists, uh, given uh, GPT-2 the prompt, the man works us. So complete sentences by a car salesman at the local Walmart. So there are a lot of like a uh, use. They they use the data, and that data was a little bit uh, more like a bias uh, against more like a minority. So uh, this is what her concern, which is, uh, yeah, they are not um, more. Yeah. So uh, for for this overall, the the entire concept is that we need to have. Um, more um, diversity to uh, women, black people, or LGBT community, or some other race, like Asian or some other um, um, yeah people. So yeah, so right now she find out that uh, it's more like a white power or upskirt. Does uh, yeah? Does she have a? technical does she propose a tech a technical solution because we have a very similar problem with websites that just spew incorrect information yeah and so it's difficult to figure out which websites are are giving you the truth and which are not and all of that gets fed into the model yeah yeah so you get a lot of errors and so forth because of that so it's 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 a challenge to figure out which which things you pay attention to and which things you give less weight to. So I'm curious, does she have a technical solution to that? that I issue? think she just say, Oh my God, we have a problem <laughs> more, yeah. more like that. Yeah. Cause I do said that uh, um, if you see like recently, I saw a news yesterday actually is um, WSJ wall street journal. Yeah. Wall street journal has its own bias, right? But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let me see that news. Um, Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal. Uh, it's called Woman on this song. Have you seen Barbie? No, I haven't seen the movie. No. Oh, okay. So in this one, it talks about. Um, yeah, I think I've already subscribed it, but. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so in this news, uh, I mean, I have the app subscription. So it talks about, you see Beyonce, you see Barbie, you see Taylor Swift uh, phenomena. Um, it all says one thing, women all this summer, the economy uh, proves it. So we know Barbie as kind of... Um, the movie ticket sales is over one billion, or it's it's a lot of money. Yeah, so That's one, true. yeah, over yeah, and Taylor Swift uh, first bring one billion over that ten. Uh, more, it, it's like Taylor Swift, uh, you know, economy effects. It's like over a billion dollars, uh, USD. So it all proves that female or pink or um those types of woman on. Uh, types of um, content or uh, shows pretty much uh, becomes the the dominant phenomena in USA right now. So, which means that for this woman's concern, maybe what we can do is uh, encourage more women to join or to participate 
the content creations or uh, become STEM, right? Uh, become um, the engineer uh, so they can participate uh, those large language model build so we can provide less bias. That's Perhaps. what we can do. Yeah. Perhaps one solution is, you know, uh, I believe uh, that, for example, ChatGPT is now allowing you to train on your own data. So maybe uh, the author of this article could come up with uh, a way to create a data set that you could additionally train ChatGPT on that would try to correct for the bias. Mm. That might be a technical solution. Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes we find out problems and those problems, for example, like uh, this is the AI problem, right? But before this AI soar this year, we've already had this types of problem in the past, even before AI. So mm. uh, those technologies like AI, XR, it will just accelerate or amplify the current problems. It just make it even more uh, serious so yeah so this is something that i i think we yeah the the, the best way is to that uh, you know woman keep empowering women and also uh, help uh, girls education because i can tell you i i i teach at design lab and uh, uh, the majority of my students are asian women um, and uh, recently I, I got some um, women's before um, their background was they graduate. Ever since they graduated from the university, they got married. So they start, they didn't go out for, they, they didn't work. They haven't mm-hmm. had any work experience right after college. And they start staying at home, become housewife. And right now, after 15 years, they have to start working. So they become very, uh, I would say, not confident about themselves because they always said that, oh, you know, my resume is like 2008, I graduated from college. And ever since then, I don't have any working experience. And right now I'm going back to uh, the working place and my first job will be junior designer, right? And people might feel like, oh, you've already over 35 years old and you you got your first job. Um, yeah. And I always encourage my student that, hey, you know how to raise kids and you know, kids is that that skills is valuable, right? You know how to take care of people. So maybe something more like a, a nurturing something or more like event organizer that requires a lot of empathy then my, you can put on your resume and say, you know, I, I raised kids, you know, over those 15 years and put those types of like empathy, taking care of human, little human uh, as your experience. That might be a really good feature, right? So <laughs> that's what I can do. And also I would feel that, um, yeah, like we need to encourage little, little kid or little girls that uh, uh, more like a speak out and uh, yeah, so those might be a good way to to help with those solve those types of problems. That's my thought. Yeah, because it's not easy to come up with you know all the solutions right away because um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. A any thoughts, comments? Well, I think things are changing so rapidly now that it takes a lot of effort to keep up with things. And so um, it, as long as whatever your background is, as as long as you're actively working to keep up with things and learn new things, and that's in a sense, it's sort of an equalizer because, yeah. um, because it's so difficult for people to do that in general. So if you're able to do that, if you're able to keep up, uh, and and if you've you know if you've got degrees and so forth, then uh, you've already had a lot of training, and yeah. it's just a question of sort of uh, refreshing that that stuff. And and so if you keep up with what's going on in technology and so forth, then uh, I think people can catch up. Yeah, and I do think that, for example. Um people in different countries and the women are um, kind of like a, probably because of the culture. So uh, women need to get out of that types of mindset uh, and maybe get out of the environment, especially for third world country women. For example, you, if you raised in Indian or um, if you are raised in Ethiopian, Ethiopia, those types of countries that they have the you know original culture environment that reinforce that uh, that types of you know woman is weak this types of thinking or need to be protected or doesn't have to learn or couldn't learn uh, engineering couldn't learn coding this types of thinking. Uh, well, I, even, I don't. Think, yeah, I don't think any of those ideas are true I, I yeah oh in engineering anyways some of the best engineers i've ever known have been women yeah so i think because maybe they had to work so much harder yes uh, yes where they are yeah and i can tell you that um i mean personally i grew up and yeah raised in taiwan and you know what my mom gave me the concept uh, girls doesn't need to earn a lot of money. Gir girls doesn't have to have career. That that was my mom told me. Uh, yeah. All we need to do is to get a secure job like a teacher or working for government and marry a guy. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> that's our entire life. So that's my mom. My mom's goal is to make me as a art teacher, fine art teacher, teaching in middle school. That's her goal. <laughs> that, that's what he thought. So that's why I had a fine art degree. So I understand those women, uh, why it's so hard to break out and become an independent woman. So yeah, so I do admire this types of courage to kind of like a, a start your own business. And even me, sometimes I have, you know, sometimes there is a, a I know for guys you don't have, you just like, oh, I just directly working and I'm successful. But for women, Sometimes when I'm working on things, there's always two boys. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I, uh, I think, I, yeah, I can be a very relaxing person. And the second my setting is like, no, I, I need to make things happen. So, yeah. Well, I, I think I think any entrepreneur has moments of panic. And <laughs> yeah. if, if that doesn't happen at some point, then there's something wrong. Yeah. So the, the the interesting thing is that I saw those types of women and they gather together. I understand that um, 
it is it, it might be harder for women to kind of fight all those negativities from the previous culture stuff and then move forward and i also understand that um yeah for for men everything's so natural right uh for women it's just that there's a uh, negativities that put on women in the environment and i heard that um you know um um yeah before we we i i, I talked to some other white woman and uh one of one of it is that she said she she married an indian person an indian guy and when she uh, visited indian went to indian and she for example she needs to go to you know a bathroom and there's no bathroom for women in the village and she need to go travel a mile away to a river to 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 pee so that is happening in the modern world so yeah so uh yeah i think it's um yeah women need to uh, face some optic yeah some some culture against women's growth and uh, i do think that those women are brave yeah yep that's my thought but you know it's just like oh we have a problem <laughs> i think the most important thing is uh, empower and education women i think that might be a good way uh, yeah the other thing is that uk government using hackathon to search a way to use ai to cut asylum backlog so a little bit contest so there are a lot of asylum requests to UK government and a lot of them just put because now a day they use humans to uh, kind of look at all the cases and prove not prove. But now uh, UK government want to use a hackathon way. <laughs> they say inspired by Silicon Valley approach problem solving the hackathon way which I am also thinking about using this hackathon types of project base. And we will do a lot of Actuality Academy hackathon and, and po possibly partner with some B2B business. And we will do some hackathon things to help business to solve problem types of education things and collateral, um, yeah, uh, working together. So uh, for UK, they, uh, they gather a lot of experts from, um, uh, for example, like a civil servant, tech experts, converting uh, academics, business people. They have like a multidisciplinary teams and they do the hackathon event and using AI to help out to uh, deal with those um, undecided cases. Because according to what they said that right now it's all human power, and then a lot of people are kind of quit the job. Why? Because it's not inspiring. It's a lot of cases were uh, ridiculous. So they want to kind of have a, a good AI training to help out to determine whether uh, the asylum request is proved or unproved. Yeah, I do think this is a very interesting way. But to go back to this uh, types of thinking, if, you know, if, the engineer, or if those people who join the hackathon uh, have bias, for example, if they are all, you know, man or white or, you know, certain types of uh, more like, a, you know, they have some certain bias, 
Uh, so I do think when when they gather together to have a hackathon, I think that's a great great idea. But maybe include more like women and LGBT uh, community, so it can uh, eliminate or it can be diversified. Uh, so when uh, censoring those cases, because I believe there might be a lot of cases that is severe uh, and need help. As imagine, for example, for Trump, when Trump deciding whether who can get visa or not, he used the point system, right? He said that, oh, people who can help this country, which is strong, appear stronger, like, oh, your English needs to be a certain level or your degree needs to be a certain level so you can join uh, USA and get visa. But for Obama, we, uh, or more like uh, some previous uh, president, they will say, oh, who are weak, who need help, uh, and we will give you visa. So these are totally two different uh, concepts, which, for example, uh, UK government, are they, do they want to be more inclusive? Like, oh, we want to help the weak and uh, we want to provide a protection for you. Or we want to get the strongest candidate and we want the smartest to help us, uh, to help USA. So those are kind of like different thoughts. So yeah, and any thoughts, comments for those like uh, using AI, creating AI system to accept or giving away visa? Yeah, any thoughts? Well, I think something that's similar in many ways is, is mm -hmm. something like the X Prize, uh, where they were, you know, having a contest basically, and and uh, if someone was able to get spacecraft doing certain things by certain times, or whoever came up with it first and so forth, they would win the prize. I think that's <clears throat> a similar thing. Um, I've often thought that we need something like that for robotics. Mm -hmm. And you could use that for, you know, exploring other planets and so forth. One of the problems we have, for example, with the probes that have been sent to Mars and the, and the rovers that crawl around on Mars <clears throat> is that they can be disabled by something as simple as a sandstorm covering their um, solar panels. And so um, having robotics, for example, that can repair themselves, that can take care of themselves and aren't so easily uh destroyed uh would be useful so I, I i've often thought that we should have some sort of prize or competition or you know whatever you want to call it that that would um be for robotics and then that would in in turn that would have a side effect of improving manufacturing capabilities so mm -hmm. uh, i think there are a lot of different things that you can do like this and uh, and offer prizes and uh, that you can get some good technology as a result. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that this is like a very important things and uh, we do need to think about how can we, um, yeah, help the the person that real, the, the, the real person that really need help. Yeah, it's just hard because uh, there are two types of voice, which is like, oh, 
we need to, for example, like Trump types of thinking, right? And also um, more like a justice, social justice types of thinking. If you are too prone to social justice, it will become, you know, oh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think you have to keep in mind when you're getting information from the Wall Street Journal, that information is biased. Yes, yes. And a lot of a lot of uh, technical people couldn't get into the country when yeah. Trump was president. So yeah, um, right. And and so that was that was a big issue. These companies wanted wanted employees and so forth. And they weren't able to get them uh, that had technical skills. So hmm. in general, you want you want people who have skills that can contribute uh, to your society and. Hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a good thing to have in terms of immigration. Um, and, and you don't want to cut that off. You don't mm. want to shut that down. So, yeah, Brian. So, so I think for, cause I mean, I guess through all the immigration progress for visa, I, I get all my visa on my own from student visa, H1B visa, green card, citizenship. I got citizenship last year. Um, yeah, and uh, I know they have, you know, EB1, EB2, more like, you know, that people said that oh, it, you can do from Albert Einstein types of ways to, to get into the country, which, for example, you have a great contribution and uh, that uh, you can do that or you can do working visa that uh, through your working abil- ability that people need you and usually... <laughs> uh yeah like people people who sponsor you usually want you to work much more than the normal people and uh, I think that's that's how I get all the motivation to start my own company mm-hmm. I usually tell people that if you can get visa on your own and get all the citizenship whatever get get through this entire process um um, you will feel like wow after you get the, the 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 citizenship you will feel like wow uh everything you, you can do much more than what 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 you can do now it means that you are um you know a lot of times people feel like oh there are a lot of pressure right but when it's like you got 10 times of pressure in the past but now it becomes no pressure it it seems like before you were in jail that you depend on a lot of things that you couldn't control. You got a lot of pressure and you need to perform much more and get paid much less than normal people. Right now you become equal. Then you feel like I can do much more. So you just keep doing more. And uh, uh, I think you got a lot of motivation. For example, like before you got like, oh, this is not fair, but you kind of feel like, okay, it's fine. I'm just not citizen, so that's why I can. But it was I a it do. was a difficult it was a difficult process, right? Yeah, it was very difficult. I transferred two times of H one B, and then for green car, yeah. And when I was after submit uh, for my green car, it was Trump who become the president. And uh-huh. I remember I got my green car on April, and Trump was become or. Uh, file the executive order to block uh, Muslim country to enter to America on February. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you see February and to to April, I was like, am I going to get my green car 
you know yeah. and then after that and he kind of ha- have a executive order of blocking all the um, uh, working visa like they they reduce the number of working visa because they thought that um uh you know you immigrants take over our jobs or something okay. so it was a very crazy string uh, examples and i was getting through that so i think all my motivations for creating actuality academies come from all those stresses during the past 13 years it's it, it it's like you, you know it i feel like now the 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 stress is much less than when i was getting through the visa process so I feel like I can handle much more than than normal people, and I can keep working and no rest. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think uh, what you know, it's that that saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, yeah, I I think it, it just because um, before it was even harder, even tougher, and got a lot of stress. So right now, I feel like starting a company <laughs> there. You, you just have to work hard. And I understand that right now we switch to, to community. The thing about it is that I feel like we need to constantly get people's feedback. And I know a lot of community, for example, like before I joined Founder University, when I was in the program, I was actively every day I check it. But after I left the program, you know, it's another set of people who are active. And I just, I was just staying there. Um, so I do see that uh, for community, only when you need it, you will get involved. And But if you get out, you probably won't get involved and you just be there. Uh, but I do see some uh, some stuff we can involve, right? We are not staying in some certain level. And I do think that, you know, using, I think this sectionschool.com, I like this way. It's just, you know, um, four hours of workshop with the teacher and the group, and they have a certain amount of time. And I think by those types of small sprint, you can have more like a target, a subject that you are very good. And later on, um, I think it has a certification, a mini MBA. I think this might be a really interesting and uh, um, uh, before I saw some, um, if you see my LinkedIn, I mean, I post something. Yeah, it's all from WSJ. <laughs> it has some bias. Okay. So if you see this one, I, I do like, oh, okay. College spend like there is no tomorrow. So which means that college start charging more and more and they start expanding their facilities. Like, oh, they have esports room. They have a lot of, you know, computer room. They want to, um, um, expand their um, uh, physical uh, equipment equipment or build, get more buildings. However, uh, students just pay more and more and they couldn't get the result. For example, if I if I am in history department and after graduate, I couldn't even find a job or I am in photography department, right? Fine art department. Right now, they couldn't find jobs. So um, yeah, so people start wondering, like, should I really go through this? But for me, what I'm thinking is that maybe Ivy League, for example, Harvard, Stanford, or some, you know, Princeton, uh, Yale, those elite college 
people still go in just to get diploma and the networking or some, you know, courses, right? But uh, the rest of the state, college, state, university will transfer to online. And all the online, I would say, education bootcamp, people just, oh, I need this one. I go there and I get some, you know, small degrees or got some portfolios and I can start working on something else. Doesn't have to. I feel like in the future, only elite, probably there are some traditional schools just to feel proud to get in. But uh, the rest of the humans or more like the majorities will do more like a spring types of workshop and get the skills and uh, work, start working. Or I don't know. That's my thought. What, what, what do you guys think? I think the colleges have become way too expensive. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you a lot of Taiwanese college uh, already closed because due to that there are not because right now inflation, right, and the economy slump, people don't want to have babies. It's too costly. So without, you know, younger generation, there are less, less newborn baby. So college itself is already shrinking. And uh, now they are expanding and make it all luxurious and have a lot of death. I think they have a lot of like a, a graph in this article, and it talks about, uh, for example, Penn University, they got a lot of new debt, which is, you know, um, um, uh, getting a lot of infrastructure built, and they put all those extra money back to the student, and the ROI invest of returns, um, return of investment is very low. For example, oh, we have a one esports room or oh we got a new dormitory very new brand new facilities uh, but students didn't get any benefit from all those new facilities and they just keep paying more and more yeah. the, the thing that always strikes me and i've got three degrees in engineering but the thing that always strikes me is that the the marginal cost for adding a student for online instruction is almost zero. Yeah. And so um, it's ridiculous that we have all this technology that's, you know, unprecedented in human history yeah. to educate people through online and so forth. Yet the colleges are just getting outrageously expensive. And by the time somebody graduates, they, they just have a huge amount of debt, just a uh, ridiculous amount of debt. And so mm -hmm. um, I, I think there's something wrong there. And I think maybe there's uh, a role for government to play to provide incentives mm -hmm. uh, for colleges to, um, to provide lower cost education. Mm -hmm. and, and so that we have a more educated population. I think yeah. whenever you have a more educated population, you make smarter decisions. I think your economy is stronger uh, because you're a, you're uh, more technically uh, adept as a as a um, country, and um, so I, I think there's a lot of benefits to improving the educational system so that it doesn't cost so much money for someone to get a degree. It's just ridiculous how much it costs. Mm, yeah. So. So I think 
um, yeah. So I think the the um, I I do see and you see there is a person who kind of gave me comments. She said that I agree with lower tuition fee entirely. However, in person teaching brings a lot of value online. I think, yeah, I do think in person teaching might be a good thing, but within XR education, that might, for example. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. You were about to say an example, go ahead. Yeah, in person means that, you know, I need to get to the location. And so I need to live in dormitory. It will add up a lot of extra fees. But if we can do more like, a, uh, maybe what I'm thinking is that, yeah, since it's all, only two of us. Um, yeah, do we still need to record? Maybe yeah, keep can... recording. Keep recording. Yeah, okay. Uh, so what I'm thinking about the Actuality Academy education, maybe we can have a community build and later on, the community discussion or office hour, we can, can migrate. Can we, can we read that comment again? I wanted to finish reading that comment. Oh, okay, okay, sure. Okay. However, in-person teaching brings lots of value. Online teaching cannot. Networking, social skills, team experience, hands-on exercise, and so forth. Hybrid teaching is a way to go. Affordable housing, not only for students, cost-effective, building pop policies, decentralized campuses, more public investment in education and reduced numbers of management levels and without with no teaching experience. As usual, the solutions are uh, all intersectional and multiple require well, politics. And here's well. an idea. Here's an idea. I got my graduate degrees um, through a combination of these different mechanisms. Uh, for example, um, At work, I was able to take classes. And so um, I had, uh, I worked at Hughes Aircraft. I was a, I was a Howard Hughes fellow. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, I had, you know, uh, funding to go to school at USC. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had a choice. I could go to the in-person classes mm -hmm. or I could take, this was before online teaching was really popular, but um, what I could do is we had a room at mm. our company, at our facility, and I could go over to that room and they had a TV screen that, that showed you the classroom and the teacher and so forth. And um, then there was a microphone so I could ask questions and things like that. And so that was very convenient because it would only take, you know, whatever time the classroom time was, that's all the time that it would take me to go attend one of these classes. I didn't have to travel anywhere. I just walked down the hallway. And so um, that was very convenient. And I, I took a lot of classes that way. And then it, at some point, I decided to do more in-person classes. Uh, one of the big reasons why was that when you were taking the classes remotely, you were sort of a disembodied voice yeah. on a speaker and the, the professors didn't really uh, get to know you very well. And, and mm -hmm. so it was harder to get references and so forth because they didn't get to know you. On, on things like Zoom, uh, they see your face and so they get to know you better and so forth. But um, 
I, I so I did a combination of these two things. I took the remote learning classes. I took a lot of those. Maybe half of my classes were remote learning, mm-hmm. and then maybe half of the classes were in person. And um, so I had a mix there. I got to experience it from from both sides. But um, I think one thing that you could do, perhaps this could be a government program, mm-hmm. is they could provide business mm-hmm. with incentives to allow their employees on work time Hmm. to take classes so that way um the employee wouldn't have to you know worry about getting child care in the evening so that they could you know pay for child care in the evening so that they could go to classes and things like that uh but make that part of the workplace Hmm. uh feature of the workplace so that they could do that uh just, you know, allocate some number of hours that that an employee would get to better themselves through education uh, during work. And mm-hmm. so that would simplify some things. And mm-hmm. I think provide incentives to universities to participate in something like that mm-hmm. uh, in a low ca- in a low cost fashion so that mm-hmm. um, these people wouldn't have to end up with crippling debt in order to get a college degree. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so um, so there, I think there's a number of government incentives that could be uh, made available that would improve that situation dramatically. Hmm. Yeah, and I do think that maybe we can, you know, uh, make like a metaverse meet or, you know, wear your uh, Quest 2 or VR Gargo and uh, we can meet uh, uh, more like in person ish, right? Uh, I I have to say, given what I went through with all those classes, <laughs> doing it two different ways, huh. I personally I don't think a headset would have. Yeah, I I think the headset is kind of like uh, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe playing games is fine, but uh, doing some education. Still, maybe soft skills, for example, interview skills, something face-to-face skills that can be done. But uh, yeah, or more like, for example, um, facility medical training that requires hands-on, you know, the actual things. But learning programming, I still think that 2D screen might be a better way. Yeah, I I think uh, there are specific types of classes in certain fields that really benefit from uh, like three-dimensional displays and things like that, mm-hmm. where you can um, visualize things that otherwise are very difficult to visualize. Even mm-hmm. in high school, mm-hmm. I had a chemistry book that had little 3D uh, images inside the textbook that yeah. you could look at to mm-hmm. understand how the chemistry actually worked in three dimensions. And so that was sort of cool. So I think a lot of in a lot of areas, uh, they lend themselves very naturally to these types of things that you would see in a headset. And so um, so I think there's a lot of application for that. But just I people talk about, you know, sitting in a room with someone and you virtually and you have the headset on. I I know there's a lot of people excited about it. It just doesn't do anything for me. I, I, I yeah. I think I would would have gotten by just 
as well without any of that kind of thing. But being able to visualize, I think that's important. And I did use a lot of visualization tools and so forth when I was yeah. working on my degrees. Yeah, I, I, I do think that um, it, it it's very important somehow for something that requires human. So, for example, like a metahuman um, that um, power by, for, for example, I, I saw right now there are a lot of uh, softwares uh, that is more, for example, learning English or learning language or uh, some uh, uh, medical device that, um, for example, there's a nurse asking you uh, what you are looking for and you can kind of do a conversation asking instead of typing chatbot, you see a real human uh, kind of talking to you and ask you what you want. So uh, I think a human face or interaction does provide some some degree of uh, empathy, <laughs> even I, though we know it's AI. But yeah, yeah, I think telemedicine is a you know telemedicine is a great thing. Mm. Um, I know uh, I've had doctors like downtown LA, and it takes a long time to drive out there. Yeah, so it's, they it's have telemedicine for that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. There was an article actually in a local newspaper. I, I meant to present it one week, but I forgot. Mm -hmm. It was about um, a doctor, a medical doctor, mm -hmm. who was working on artificial intelligence systems mm -hmm. to help make medical diagnoses. Oh. And what his thoughts were that the um, a, a doctor is heavily influenced by his own experience, his or her her own experience in treating patients mm. and so there are times when a, a, a medical doctor will get a patient who has an unusual disease and mm. they will misdiagnose it for a common disease mm. missing certain uh symptoms and so forth and so his idea was that an artificial intelligence system can pick up on those symptoms and say hey you know what, this person also has the symptoms of such and such disease. Mm -hmm. And here are the differentiating symptoms mm -hmm. that 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 you may not be taking account of in your diagnosis of the more common disease for this person. So, um, and a lot of times people will get misdiagnosed and they apply the wrong treatments. They don't get better, they get worse or whatever. And uh, so that can be sort of a big deal. So mm -hmm. I, I think... Um, you know, there's a lot of room for that kind of thing. Um, personally, I, I I don't think I want to just talk to a chat bot about medical things. I, it's scary. I, I just wouldn't trust it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't trust it to have, given all the errors and hallucinations that we hear about. Yeah, right. Not trust it, but um, things that are specifically designed for medicine that can augment a physician, I think would be a good idea. It's like, self-driving cars yeah i've worked, I've worked with self-driving car technology mm -hmm. but still i think that when you sit down in, behind the wheel in a car you bring a lot more to that driving task than mm -hmm. any computer system does at the current time and yeah. so i think the uh the, all the mechanisms that are being developed for self-driving cars i think can be very useful as augmenting drivers Mm -hmm. driver assist functions 
And some of the technology that I've helped develop for self-driving cars, I see it in uh, in driver assist systems and, um, you know, the stuff that I help build. And then so it's you can save lives that way. And so I think I think there are a lot of these technologies that may not be good enough at this point to stand on their own, but they're good enough to help people and save lives at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So this is kind of something that I think AI right now at this point is more like help us to uh, summarize the search result, optimize the search result. For example, uh, we feed AI with a lot of online information. So AI is helping us, like we ask one question, AI kind of use you know large language model and trying to analyze everything and give you the best result that according to what ai being designed like chat gpt and uh, what you get is uh probably spend one hours trying to search online and you can get something like that and right now google becomes advertising space right when you scroll the first half pages are all from advisors uh, uh, advertisers so, yeah, in that that case, AI will be yeah hallucination, but uh, feed with all the online current information, optimize it. So, um, whether I, I, for a lot of the searches that I do, a lot of the questions I I develop new technologies, and so a lot of the questions that I have when I'm doing searches and so forth, the information just simply is not out there. Yeah, Nobody has figured it out yet, and and mm-hmm. so. Um, I may be uh, looking for very specific approaches to solve a problem, and nobody has done that type of solution before. And so um, it's it's challenging to find your way uh, to, to, to implement those solutions because it's not like you can go to a tutorial and say, oh, how do I you know, make a character animate in, in Unity or something? You know, there's 10 million tutorials on how to do that. Uh, but um, the stuff that I'm doing often, there's no tutorials at all. You mm-hmm. might find a couple of people who ask questions. Can you do this? And then there's no answers. And yeah. so um, it's challenging. And I end up searching for a lot of products. Uh, and that's challenging as well, because you have to sift through all of the fake reviews uh, on Amazon, for example, and, um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about products mm-hmm. and people have a lot of misconceptions. They, mm-hmm. they may have a misconception of, about what a product was designed to do. Mm-hmm. So they, say, they give it a bad review because it didn't solve all their, yeah. it didn't solve all their problems because it wasn't designed to solve all those problems. So, so you have to sort through all that information. It can be very difficult at times to, to get anything, uh, that helps you out on the internet. So. Yeah, I, I think AI can be trained according to the past experience, but it's hard for AI to come up with a brand new solutions that yeah. it I, just I, analyze the old information. Yeah. Once we get to the point where the AI can make deductions. Oh my goodness, yeah. It can say, if this, I know that this is true and this is true, mm-hmm. and through my deductive reasoning Ooh, power, wow. I can come to this new conclusion. And mm-hmm. once we get to that the singularity, point, right? <laughs> yeah, everything's going to take off at that point. 
Yeah. Uh, and so what we're doing right now is nothing compared mm. to that. Yeah. And that's when you're going to see very profound changes in things. That's when you're going to see AI coming up with all kinds of patents, which right now the the U.S. patent system, for for example, does not allow. Mm. And so how are they going to deal with that? So so uh, that's coming. I I'd say within the next five years, but you know you don't know what you don't know, and things always take longer to develop than hmm. than what you anticipate. Yeah. So I, I I totally agree with all the all the thinkings, and uh, now I do think that we can definitely make some changes. For example, like uh, uh, for AI, I think we need to empower the the bias, like reduce the bias types of things, for example, allowing or uh, helping more women well, getting in or... You know what I think is part of that? That's It's very difficult right now for the mm -hmm. training systems to figure out what's the truth and what's the, not the truth because mm -hmm. they have no reasoning power. Mm -hmm. And I think once they achieve reasoning power, which people mm -hmm. are working on, they're using traditional AI mm -hmm. techniques in addition to learning models to uh, try to implement reasoning in mm -hmm. these systems. Once they're able to implement reasoning in those systems, then they will also be able to use that to eliminate bias. Yeah. And so um, in addition to being able to tell what's the truth and what's not the truth. Hmm. And so, um, you know, they'll, they'll be able to reason that, you know, if such and such is true uh, about this person, there's no reason why that shouldn't be true about other people. Hmm. And, and so, so the, in that way, you can eliminate bias. Yeah, but right now it's very difficult to do in these these learning models because they're just they just indiscriminately vacuum all the information up, yeah. and they're just, all the large language models are doing is you give them a sequence of words and they're just trying to predict statistically what words come next. That's yeah. all they're doing. It's yeah. like it's like an autocorrect tool on yeah. steroids. That's all it is. Yeah. So so yeah so if we can feed uh, the the la large language model more like a inclusive uh, diversity types of content yeah. it can really um, you know come up with or putting some future predicting future words more inclusive that might be a way or for example when UK government uh, creating a AI bot to censoring uh, the 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 case right uh to giving away the visa if that language model can kind of be more inclusive there is no bias towards some certain uh, community for example if the the engineer who de who de develop that ai model if it is more towards you know more like oh this this types of people will cause well, trouble something it may <laughs> not be it may not be a large language model either that solves that problem hmm. uh, i mean there are machine learning systems that just look at for example the data in an application hmm. you could take the data in an application and train on that hmm. and uh, look at past cases knowing past cases that were arbitrated correctly and that training on on those applications and the outcome, uh, and and then coming up with a predictive system for new uh, applications, that is not a large language model. That's mm -hmm. just a straight machine learning. So we tend to think that everything is a large language model, but it's not. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of techniques out there that aren't large language models. It's just the infatuation of the moment. 
is large language models. But there's lots of other stuff out there that could be uh, very useful. Mm, yeah. So, so that's what I'm thinking that um, if we can kind of start with the information, we can help out with like uh, helping more diversion or inclusion. Um, and uh, that that can be first. And second, we will be uh, more like a, figure it out. How can we uh, structure or implement kind of better? And then later on, we can slowly migrate. It's not one day thing because internet has been for, uh, existing for a while. And we couldn't even figure it out how to eliminate all the misinformation. How can we, you know? feed some AI bot and uh, make sure they can uh, come up with the right information. Well, I think one of the things that's interesting is when you're doing this machine learning that I just described on these applications, for example, mm. um, the system may learn certain biases when, when evaluating applications for whatever. Mm. Uh, for example, for giving out loans or something like that. It the machine learning system may learn certain biases, like mm -hmm. people in a particular zip code. It ends up perhaps not wanting to give them loans versus mm -hmm. people in another zip code. And actually, those pieces of information might very well be irrelevant. So you have to uh, make sure that you eliminate those biases during the training process. And um, I've gone to seminars on that and so forth. It's sort of an art to go through and do that. Hmm. Uh, and um, so that's one of the ways that you have to eliminate biases, male or female. Hmm. The machine learning system may learn that, you know, oh, we'll give loans to males versus females. Hmm. You have those are the types of biases that you have to eliminate. So you don't want the uh, the gender to mm. be a training factor for mm. things like that. So you have to, even though, you know, you may have some clues to that on the application and maybe even the machine learning system would take the names mm. and end up learning the genders based on the names mm. and uh, accidentally using that information uh, in, the in the model. But, um, you know, one thing you can do is you can eliminate the names. Yeah. Uh, why should it be learning on names? And mm. so there's all these things that you have to consider when you're doing machine learning to try to eliminate biases. Yeah. I've gone to seminars where they say, oh, we trained on this data and these are the results. And I thought, wait a second, you're you're training on data that it's illegal to use. Oh. In consideration of these applications, for example. And so, you know, you can't do that. So you have to be very careful mm. about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so so I do think that we should have a, a better better way to feed the information and also empower all the you know um, all the all, all the groups of people that minor minorities that uh, contribute uh, the unbiased uh, uh, information more, and then yeah, and then maybe get more uh, people involved when designing the uh, large language model, like uh, uh, creating that, that would kind of help out with some some stuff, but- Well, you, you, know. might, do, you might do additional training on additional data. Uh, yeah. And that's, 
I think the type of thing that you're starting to be able to do with like ChatGPT, for example, mm -hmm. is augment their own training mm -hmm. with your own. And uh, maybe that can help to eliminate uh, some bias, plus give it more domain ex expertise in the area that you're interested in. But yeah. you have to be careful mm -hmm. about taking company private data, oh, submitted okay. it, submitting it to companies like OpenAI. Uh, yeah. There's so many security and privacy issues with that. Mm -hmm. uh, medical data, same sort of thing, oh. privacy issues. So you have to be very careful about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I I do think that um it it it's sometimes for example like company privacy and now unless you are Meta or Google that has a huge budget to create your uh you know your own workplace your own video streaming things now for example we all use third party of hosting or or uh, software like a zoom you need to get through the a million settings in order to turn off that ai uh, things and uh, right now you see everything even though we turn off who knows we know what you need you need something where you can just say to it how do i turn off the zoom ai training setting oh. could you turn that off for me please oh that's what yeah. you need I mean, I'm constantly dealing with new software packages and I want to do the simplest thing. And I try to do it in the most direct way possible and it doesn't work. The designers of the software package didn't didn't think of it that way. And so now I got to go through some complicated process to do it. I wish I could just ask the darn program, hey, I want to change the such and such setting. Will you mm. change it for me? And mm. instead of having to navigate through all these menus and drop downs and, and dialogue boxes and all this crap. Huh. Uh, a lot of times you have to click on something that you don't even know exists. You huh. know, you, if you right click on the background of the such and such window, then all of a sudden this dialogue will pop up and allow you to change these things. You don't even know that that exists and you're supposed to click on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you see like now no, no regulations can stop zoom from ai training because everybody is so heavily rely on zoom right well and they when... may be able to they've been fined 85 million dollars in two years ago so oh. uh, there may be some regulations and particularly with like hipaa types of violations hmm. those are deadly expensive if you violate hipaa laws yeah and one of the things here's another thing hmm. uh one of the things that all of us experience that's very negative in my opinion is every time you install a new piece of software or join a website this terms and conditions thing comes up it's like 12 pages of legalese nobody has time to read that stuff and so it's just a ridiculous situation i think what needs to be done is we you could do it in the form of regulations or whatnot but have a set of components, mm -hmm. typical components that go into these terms and conditions and say, oh, this is the such and such clause mm -hmm. of the terms and conditions and just summarize it in one sentence. So instead mm -hmm. of having to read a whole page about this one thing, just summarize it in one sentence. It's a standard agreement clause 
And here we summarize it in one sentence. And if you agree with it, now you'll know what that clause is instead of spending an hour reading mm. the darn agreement. You'll be able mm. to read it in five minutes or a few minutes, 30 seconds, and understand what the agreement is about. And if the company wants to use non-standard clauses, then they are just making it more difficult for themselves unless people are going to be interested in using their stuff because they don't follow this simplified procedure. So mm -hmm. I think that would be a useful thing to implement. And it could be done on a voluntary basis so that you tend to favor companies that, that follow those types of standards and mm -hmm. disfavor companies that don't, that may be hiding something. Like mm. we're going to train on your data and you won't know about it because nobody can read our 20 page terms and conditions. Yeah. Right. And si si similar to, you, you know, uh, I think Black Mirror released uh, a new series of uh, shows that the first episode is that uh, it's very similar to Netflix. They are live streaming somebody's life using you uh. know, yeah, and uh, I, I think that that one is that the problem is that now it says uh, something like a berry, berry show or something, but the logo looks very similar to Netflix. So probably it's kind of like talking about in the future, maybe there's a uh, agreement in terms when you subscribe some uh, softwares and it will say, oh, we will take all your personal stuff, but you didn't yeah. even have a chance to read a, a million pages of agreement, but you kind of signed up that it 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 will take your personal journey as a as a inspiration and the live uh, casting live show. Because uh, in that Black Mirror episode, it has a AI generation, and er everybody as a user has some certain of personal data. And in that agreement, once you subscribe that that TV streaming show, it it says that, um, uh, for example, uh, the BlackBerry um, uh, show uh, streaming platform, uh, you are you allow your personal journey to be part of the uh, th their show, or you know your yeah, personal yeah. materials will be the inspiration. But yeah. that AI just totally just switch you know the face of you but very similar to you but every day whatever you happen because you know now everything becomes uh whatever you do uh, there's always some data that somebody in the cloud can can gather right so whatever you do and uh, during the night you will see yourself the real situation but slightly different face and react everything uh, kind of kind of redo whatever you do today and become their inspiration. Everybody just watch and watch a popcorn uh, show. And um, yeah, you you become the, the source of their show. So yeah, I think that might come in pretty soon. If, for example, if you use you, you, your uh, news like a hell, right? Um, back in 1960s or 70s? 1968, yeah. 68s. And uh, it becomes real right now. Then probably after forty years. And the and, story originally was nineteen, written in nineteen forty-eight. Yeah. So maybe you know, after fifty years, uh, since probably AI is running out of story, and it will start live streaming someone's personal life. If we still <laughs> exist in fifty years.
Uh, maybe we, our brain will upload, you know, to the cyber <laughs> and we can be a cyber being. Because I think I saw one news, it talks about um, uploading your, you know, your father or your past yeah. grandpa. And uh, I think the same, uh, uh, Walmart's, uh, Walmart's founder, I forgot the name of it. But uh, I I listened to Apple Apple News. One of the apps talks about um, uh, their uh, his heir uh, kind of gather all the because Walmart has a Walmart museums to to display the founders whatever the founder yeah. done, and then uh, they put all the resource into AI and generate a kind of like a voice AI operate. So for example. They claim that, for example, if Walmart wants in the future wants to have some new policies and they want to consult the the, the their grandpa, what do you think? And have some innovations according to you know the the the, the original founders' thoughts and using AI to revive that soul, that personality, that thinking. So the pro- the problem is with the current systems. What if what if that person that you've created, that persona that you've created has hallucinations? Yes. And, and you want him to run the company. And, and the interesting thing is that some people are afraid. For example, if we keep feeding the diseased person, right? The person who already died, but with a great knowledge. Like, for example, if in the future, Elon Musk passed away or something, and we use, you know, whatever he creates. He is existing data and create a virtual. He passed away in this upcoming fight, for example. <laughs> yeah, 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 the cage fight, right? <laughs> uh, and people in order to, this is such a crazy thing. People <laughs> in remembers of him and he <laughs> create a virtual Elon Musk and use a hologram, right? I AI think, generate. You know, I think we're going to need to stop because we can do nothing but get ourselves into trouble from now on here. So. Oh, yeah, Maybe. that's true. Maybe we need to shut down. Yeah, two. okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we, we will have a lot of interesting things, yeah, going on. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you so okay. much. And I will see you uh, next week. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.